0: Into the Big Ten Huddle. I am your host, JR, and we are here to talk about all the things going on in the Big Ten. We have two brand new guests with us today. We have Anthony and we have Jeffrey the Greek. Jeffrey the Greek, of course, is from the Eyes on Big podcast, and Anthony, he's podcastless. He's just an awesome guy from Twitter that we're having here with us today. Uh, if you don't know Jeffrey, he represents the fandom of Iowa, the Iowa Hawkeyes, and Anthony, he represents the fandom of Michigan State. We're going to preview that game here in a little bit but before we get into that I do want to give these guys a chance to go ahead and plug their social media where you can find them stuff like that so if you like what you hear you can go check them out Jeffrey let's go to you first go ahead and plug your social media
1: yeah thanks uh, for that intro I am Jeffrey the, at Jeffrey the, uh, eyes on big podcast that's EYES on B1G um, first podcast partner I had was uh my guy Big Kurt uh so Kurt and I are still co-host of the podcast he's kind of taking the season off uh, and Anthony's going to love this so a, a Michigan Wolverine has uh filled in for the season Jordan Eggleston uh who's done a great job uh filling in we we're we're getting our thing down so we talk about all 14 teams we break down all games the Big 10 teams play against the spread over unders And then we do a post view about the games that went down. So if you like big 10 football, I I think you'll typically like the podcast. So come on in
0: for sure. And I'm definitely a listener so I can recommend that podcast. It's a really good one. Unfortunately, I miss episodes every now and then, but I'm always thankful when I do get a chance to listen to them. Anthony, you want to go ahead and plug your socials.
2: Yep. You can find me at the real shardy. Yes. You heard that right. The real shardy. Um, I figured just lean into the bit at this point. Um, uh, on Twitter, I won't plug my Instagram because that's just pictures of my kids. Um, and then in term, uh, other things that I do online, I write occasionally for spartanshadows.com. Um, you can find them on Twitter at Spartan underscore shadows. We do coverage of all things, MSU, primarily football and basketball, but we have, you know, articles for other you know, other sports within Michigan state as well.
1: I just don't know if I ever want to be part of a shardy shadow. That sounds kind of dangerous. <laughs> potentially
2: slippery. You'll know you're at my Twitter account if you see a poop emoji. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Anthony's actually starting his own podcast, the Shardy Talk podcast. Shardy so.
1: Talk. <laughs> that that could go a lot right. of different. I, I, now that I will plug, I, I will yeah. click onto. It. That sounds good.
0: There we go. There we go. All right. Let's get into the first order of business here, guys. We have the Michigan State at Iowa game. Of course, Michigan State, two and two. They've lost their last two. And then Iowa, they are three and one. They have they lost their last game to Penn State, but they were on a three game winning streak to start the season. So Iowa is favored in this game by twelve and a half points. This game is gonna be on Saturday night, September thirtieth, at seven thirty on NBC. It's gonna be a great time there. Iowa, they lead this series twenty. 24-2 to and two ties. So this series is actually pretty close between the two of them. They don't play regularly, obviously, because they're in two separate divisions of the Big Ten, but it's a close series. I think this is a very interesting game. I've not heard it talked about a whole lot, so I'm excited that we are able to preview it here. So we're going to go to Anthony with our first question. Anthony, what is your biggest concern for your team or about the other team going into this game?
2: So uh, MSU, the last two, the last three games they've played in Kinnick, two of them, the two in front of fans were, um, they won both of those and then they got blown out their last one. This is their first night game at Kinnick, um, and I was typically pretty strong Um, in those night games. They've lost uh, just, uh, they've lost seven of the 21 night games they've played. Six of those seven losses were against ranked opponents. So not great going into the matchup for Michigan State my biggest concern for the team is um, is just taking care of the ball. Iowa, historically, at least the last four or five years, they've been extraordinary at turning other teams over. I think they averaged, what, 23 turnovers a season. I, I was looking it up. It was about 15 interceptions and about eight fumble recoveries. So they just, they had a knack for turning you over. And this year, I, they're off to a bit of a slow start. I think they just have three forced turnovers so far. But all that screams to me is just that they're going to, you know, they're going to climb upwards towards the mean again. And last game, Michigan State had five turnovers against Maryland. And that just, we, we actually outgained Maryland in terms of yardage, but because we turned over the ball five times, a lot of times in plus territory, it just, it set up, it either killed the momentum on a strong drive or it gave Maryland the ball in really favorable field position. So for me, turnovers are the, are the scariest thing going into a night game at Kinnick.
0: For sure. And that ball hawking uh, Iowa defense, they are always known for their turnovers, like you said. So Jeffrey, let's go to you. What is your biggest concern for your team or about the other team going into this game?
1: Well, I think we can all uh answer what my answer is going to be for the biggest concern, which is obviously the Iowa offense. Uh starting tweet out earlier today that said, um, maybe that hey, this is the perfect offense to go against to get our defense's mojo back. And I DM'd him and I said, basically said, eat eat poop right since, since we're continuing on with that theme but at the same time i can't you know i can't fight it it's obviously a truthful statement so um not expecting a points explosion from iowa by any means i think there's a little bit better defense uh that people get michigan state credit for or at least the matchup uh was offense versus michigan state michigan state gets touched up quite a bit through the air well, guess what Iowa doesn't even hardly attempt to do is throw the ball down the field. So it's actually a better matchup than maybe a lot of people are, are thinking. Like they And they probably already think that it's a good matchup for Michigan State's defense. So certainly that's uh, my biggest concern. Uh, help me out. What was the what was the second part of that question right there?
0: Oh, just about the other team. If you have a concern about the other team in general uh, with what they can do to yeah. really stop your team.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, um, I I actually just what I would say is I don't think I what we just recorded on our podcast and I said, you know, I bet there's a decent amount of Hawkeye fans that haven't watched Michigan State play a ton. They're going to get to know a pretty darn good uh, running back in Nathan Carter. Like, I feel like if Michigan State was having a better year, maybe if they were just like three and one or something like that, more people would know who Nathan Carter is. I think it's a good offensive line for Michigan State maybe not great but it's it's good um so i mean there are strengths to this Michigan State team i just don't think they've been able to really illustrate it because Washington just dog walked them because Washington is amazing and they just turned the ball over like crazy versus
2: Maryland so Michigan State's o-line is decent at quarterback protection when it comes to run blocking there's definitely some to be desired which i think is why Carter isn't having isn't getting more love that said, he's put up pretty strong numbers in spite of his offensive line. Kind of Kenneth Walker like you know, Kenneth Walker wasn't running behind a great mm-hmm. offensive line when he did what he did. So you're seeing right. similar stuff in Carter.
0: Yeah, and that Iowa defensive front, they uh they gave Penn State a lot of problems if you watch that game. At least there in the beginning. Obviously, you know, the defense got tired throughout the game when your offense is off the field in three to six plays most of the most of the time it's it's difficult to stay uh, energized enough for that but Jeffrey let's go back to you for this next question both teams they have some negative storylines going into this game right Iowa their offense Michigan State the whole mouse hucker situation which you know we're not even going to talk about today because that's behind us and we've covered it extensively on here but uh, they both have negative storylines going into this way what's the biggest positive for your team right now that your team needs to build on starting in this game Jeffrey?
1: I mean, I could go a couple different directions. Um, Anthony kind of already touched on it. Uh this team gets fueled by special teams plays and forcing turnovers. Okay. If that happens in this game, to me, that's the only way that Iowa would potentially run away with it or even just eat, you know, cover by the 11 and a half or eleven points, whatever, by a touchdown or something like that. Cause I don't I don't see a scenario where it's like a you know a big time Iowa win that's how it has to happen. It has to happen, you know, forcing turnovers on special teams. Um, do I, am I positive that will happen Saturday night? No, I got a feeling it it might happen. Uh, Kim is pretty pass happy. And then, uh, Kate Hauser went in. I don't think he looked a lot better in that Maryland game. He kind of tossed him up to the defense as well. Um, and then the one more positive, if I could, uh, I honestly saw snippets of a pretty nice looking rushing attack in each one of their first three games. Um, you know, people forget, like, Iowa State's actually <laughs> a pretty good defense. Like, they they have a pretty good defense most of the time in the Big 12. I will pop some plays with them. They're doing more hat on hat than just strict zone uh, blocking this year. I think it's something that's still a work in progress, and they just ran into a buzzsaw that's Penn State. I think AF can get this team. Redial back in uh, so that they can uh, um, uh, get back to doing what they want to do, which is run the ball. I'm not saying exploding against Michigan State, but maybe a touch better than people would expect. Well, and the new clock
0: rules really help with that as well, right? I mean, this I, I've said most of the season that this is kind of the bread and butter for most of the Big Ten right now. A lot of teams that really like to be run happy and really like to lean on their defense, they have this opportunity now to lean into that more. They can control the game of the clock better and they can and control uh, how many plays the other team is going to run a whole lot better now than they did in the past. Uh, Anthony, let's go back to you. Same question, a lot of negatives. What's some, some positives that your team, can pull out of this game and build on.
2: So Jeffrey kind of alluded to it earlier, which is that this is a better matchup for Michigan state. They, you know, the team, the last two teams that they played are pretty pass happy. And that's even though Michigan state secondary is better, it's still not, not where it needs to be. Um, and so a team like Washington or Maryland is going to expose that, but, in general, MSU's defense actually played pretty well against Maryland when they needed to. They were putting some tough spots and they a lot of a lot of the guys stepped up on that. The problem was the offense was was turning it over and giving it to Maryland in really really, you know, easy spots, easier spots to score. Honestly, I think that one of the more unsung parts of this team is just the the talent and the youth on this team. Um, there's some really good playmakers particularly on the defensive side of the ball. One name that's been getting thrown around a lot is linebacker Jordan Hall. As a true freshman, he's doing things that true freshmen should not be able to do. You know, getting thrust in some immediate snaps. So look for Jordan Hall to you know be. It's it's hard to keep a guy like that off of the field the way that he's playing right now. Um, in the secondary, you know, obviously some you know improved play. You're seeing you know guys get more and more confident every week with Dylan Tatum and and Jaden Mangum. Um. So there's, there's a lot of youth on this team and they're, they're finally starting to get more, you know, cohesive together. So honestly, I think the staff needs to, um, in light of everything that's happened, they need to be utilizing those young guys and just getting, getting more reps in and the guys that they recruited so hard to come on campus, they need to play them r- the right way to get them to stay on campus. Right.
0: Yeah, that's what I was going to say, was I feel like this is one of those games for Michigan State. You know, there's been talk because the uh, those those injury reports that they've been putting out, Michigan State's just kind of got a lot bigger after all the Mel Tucker stuff happened. And I thought to myself, man, if Harlan Barnett can just get, because this is the four-game mark, right? If you play more than four games, you can't redshirt, right? And so I was thinking to myself, if Harlan Barnett can just get these guys to buy in and play, I'm not saying anybody's quitting or anything like that. I'm never going to accuse a player of that. But – it is one of those things that we realistically have to realize is that this is a temptation for some of those players. And Harlan Barnett has to do his best to motivate guys to stay and keep playing. So uh, do you do you have any thoughts on, on that at all, Anthony?
2: Yeah. So I th- obviously there's been a lot of clamoring amongst the Michigan State fans about who should be, you know, taking the snaps under center. Um, you know, everyone said, you know, throughout camp, it was neck and neck between Kim and Hauser. And then Kim got the nod. And, he looked good for two games, and but he, he did still start his games pretty slow. But now against the tougher competition, you look at it and you're like, "Man, is this you know is this going to be enough?" And especially going on the road, we were told that he's a, he's supposed to be the steady hand. He's supposed to be the upperclassman. But if you're turning over the ball like that as the steady hand, why not run with the with the younger guy and get you know get some, you know, experience for a guy like Hauser, or even I'm hearing Sam Sam Levitt's name thrown around a little bit as you know, people are saying maybe he could get, maybe he could get the start. So it's tough. You know, everyone knows that if you've got two or three quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. Um, it does feel like that a little bit, but given the choice, if you're trying to invest in the future of the program, you're better off doing it with, with a younger guy, even if it isn't a brutal, uh, night game at kinnick that's a tough place to to throw a young quarterback
0: yeah that's the hard part for harlow barnett is he's just trying to do his best for the team but at the same time he wants to win this head coaching job i'm sure you know he's been at michigan state for a long time it's very very interesting so all right uh jeffrey you got any more thoughts before we move on
1: i you know i it's a tough spot for any young quarterback to go on especially one that you know been turned the ball over i i do want to say though like Noah Kim's athletic dude, like when he can turn the corner and he pulls it faster than people think. Um, and also he was putting balls in places in that Maryland game that the wide receivers should have caught. They just did not come up with plays. So like I, I, I felt like maybe parts of the Michigan State play calling and playmakers haven't been helping that kid out either.
2: What I'll say is, as far as play calling goes, this might be a bottom three offensive coordinator matchup in the in the all of the Big Ten between <laughs> the f- conservative play call of Brian Ferentz and the I'll say situational issues that Jay Johnson frequently has with his play calling. I think this could be um, this guy, this has like if you know the Sickos Committee uh, right Twitter account. This has their this has their name written all over it.
1: I am sick of the sickle committee let me just make that <laughs> statement right there i'd like to get away from them sometimes
0: i uh i really thought we were going to make it through this whole preview without going into brian ference or anything like that and long behold no. i just had to ask one more question and and there we were so no
2: way we were yep. gonna let that yep. stone go unturned. Yeah. all
1: right all right well, the SICO
2: committee speaking of
1: sicko committee stuff here Our names are highlighted in green, green grass. JR's got a green shirt on. You guys ambushing me here with the Michigan State stuff or
0: what's going on, man? I, I'm not God. I didn't make the grass green. I just put grass in the background. Okay. We can go gotcha. to Boise State's gotcha. field and have blue grass if you want.
1: Okay? <laughs> no, I hate that more. I, 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 I promise you. I hate that more. <laughs>
0: hey, kid you not. There's a high school here in my town. They have red turf on their football field. Wow. All red all, gross. And all black end zone. I, yeah. It hurts. Does it Iowa hurts play on
2: grass or on turf? I don't actually know. It's
1: it's it's uh, synthetic grass, whatever you want to call it. Field okay. turf.
0: Yeah. Yep, Makes sense. All right, let's move on to our next topic. But before we do that, I want to remind you that we are a podcast for Big Banter Sports, BigBanterSports.com, all of your Big Ten media needs there. You can find a podcast for every single team in football. We are working on basketball right now, but you can go ahead. You can find BigBanterSports.com. Go there for all your Big Ten media needs. Our next topic that we are going to get into is the College Football Playoff Committee. They are currently leaning toward a report by Heather Denich is saying that they are leaning toward a 5-7 format for expanding the playoffs now if that if you have no idea what that means i'm going to explain it okay so heather did is just saying that that before we had the six conference champions right we had the acc the big 12 the big 10 the sec the pac-12 and some some group of five conference champion the highest ranked one that would be in the playoffs they would get an automatic bid to be in there, and then there would be six at-large candidates to be in as well. Well, with the demise of the Pac-12, now Pac-2, who knows what's going to happen? They might get some Mountain West teams, but with all of that going on, they are currently talking about being a 5-plus-7, which would mean five conference championship auto-bids, most likely from the ACC, Big 12, Big 10, SEC, and one group of five conference champion, and then Hmm. seven at-large bids. This discussion stems exactly from the Pac-12 situation, and this 12-team playoff does start next season, so this is something they really have to get into, and really get into it fast. So, Anthony, we're going to go back to you for this first question. What do you think will happen? Five conference championships and seven at-large bids, or do you think they'll stick with the six and six uh, model there, where six conference champions and six at-large bids?
2: So looking at this, I think five and seven seems more likely to me just because the remnants of the Pac-12, whoever they would pick up to rebuild the Pac-12, to me, it's going to be the rest of the Mountain West, which is a group of five conference. All of the quality teams that are going to be in the Pac-12 outside of obviously Oregon State and Washington State are all going to be group of five caliber teams. So based on that, the Pac-12 is turning into a group of five type conference. And you see those other four, you know, the, 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 you know, the other four larger conferences, I think those are going to, that'll comprise the rest. And, you know, maybe you could see the PAC, you know, the PAC 12 sending someone in that group of five or one of the at-larges. But for me, five and seven just seems, seems a lot more likely to me, given the way that things are currently constructed with all the realignment.
0: Yeah. Jeffrey, do you tend
1: to agree or disagree? I think the big 12 is getting a pass. How do they just the new big 12? How do they deserve an auto bid? You look at what the recruiting rankings and TV viewership is going to be once Oklahoma and Texas leads that, that conference. So that's my biggest gripe that I have with that right there. That's, 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 that's a, that's a, a nice conference. Okay. It's above G five. Don't get me wrong, but. It's as close to G five as it is the bigger boy conferences. So I, I got an issue right there. Um, the other thing that I would add is just don't screw it up where you're not playing the first round games on campus. I don't care what they go with. You know, two and ten, four and eight. We, but uh, in these parts, we call that the Cornhusker. By the way, four and eight. Whatever they go <laughs> with, okay. <laughs> Whatever they go with, I don't care. Play that first round of games you know, five versus 12, six versus 11, play them on campus and you'll still have me dialed
2: into the playoff.
0: Oh, for sure. We that, need to watch an really
2: SEC team come up to Michigan and play in the snow yes. in the middle of, yep. uh, you know what we need, we need the elements. Yep. Yes, we do. And, and everybody knows that like what,
1: like there's a lot of reasons for me. Right. And I think we're all biased the same. Why college football is better than the NFL? It's the environment. It's the bands. All right, I hate to give those guys credit, but they—they deserve. It's the—it's the home crowd that stripe it out of stadium. All that stuff you don't have that when you play in a cold, lifeless, you know, neutral site field. That's fine for when you get to the bigger games, but those first round games—give me campus games.
0: I would 100% agree. The campus games are the biggest thing about this 12-team playoff that got me bought in. Right? I've always kind of been four or eight teams I, I, I like that better than the BCS model personally when they announced 12 I was like ah, oh, this is th- this is gonna hurt things this isn't gonna be good for it and then I heard about well home games for first round I go, okay you got me now I, I am all for this because just like you said Anthony to to bring you know Alabama up to Wisconsin to bring them up to you know Ohio doesn't get as much snow uh that early on but still to maybe in Ohio where it's you know less than 40 degrees man I am all for that. I would love to see Nick Saban with his little earmuffs on trying to coach over there on the side. <laughs> Uh, Jeffrey, we'll go to you for this question first. But years from now, what do you think the college football playoffs is going to look like? Do you think there's going to be possibly a two bid a- auto bid for conferences? Do you think that we're going to eventually get up to 16 teams? Do you think there's going to be some kind of conference playoffs that are going to be embedded inside the conference? Uh, there's a lot of ways you can go here. What do you think we're looking at in the future with the college football playoffs?
1: The direction we're going to go is in the wrong direction you know i don't know i don't mean to sound too negative but um what i am hoping is that right now money and tv is making all of the decisions i mean fox is running the big 10 conference right now right i mean that's how that this is going i wonder though if at some at some point we outpace the market, and there is just no more money to give out to these universities and I wonder in you know in conjunction with that, if these university presidents and athletic directors you know finally man up and and take a little control back so that we are keeping college football as it is because what i you know as far as it going to twelve to sixteen. I don't know if that's huge. I would like to see it at 12 for at least a decade, right? We got to give this stuff like a 10-year run before we start messing with it, right? I mean, we used to go 90 years without changing anything in college football. We can at least go a, a 10 years before we do anything crazy. What I don't want to see happen, even though I'm a fan of a Big Ten team, I don't want to see two super conferences. That's the AFC and NFC. We already have that. It's in the NFL. I want to keep the Big 12 alive. I want... Washington state and Oregon state to find a happy place to land because they don't deserve what's going down with them. I want the basic feel and tradition of college football to remain. So as long as that remains, you can kind of toy with the 12 or 16. It's not going to bother me too much. That's the important stuff right there. I agree. I agree. Anthony, what are your thoughts?
2: So there's a difference between what I want to happen, what I think is going to happen. Um, like like Jeffrey said like it's the way that things are trending right now it looks an awful lot like the Big Ten and the SEC are going to be these two super conferences and we're moving closer and closer towards an NFL hype model you know a the NFL currently has 14 teams in their playoff with a couple of wild card games and then which you know be the playing game you know if we somehow expand things and have and have teams play games on campus, I think it's better. But it's even still, it's just the way things are at with NIL and, you know, you're building this crop of really good teams, you know, NIL and the transfer portal, you have, you, you don't quite so much have the same four teams in the playoff every year, but you might start having the same 16-ish teams who are you know competing for those playoff spots every year? I think maybe you'll see some of those teams swap in and out, but I think a lot of the richer programs are are gonna keep keep staying rich. You're gonna see Michigan continually make the playoff year after year in this new format. You know, teams like that. I I would love for it to like Jeff Jeffrey said, just to have a little bit more longevity before we, you know, go and blow up all the conferences again and just have these, you know, ultimately trend towards two. You lose all the tradition when that happens, right? There a lot of those old rivalries that go back 100 years, 50 years, 75 years. Those go, those start to go away with the way, you know, the new conferences, but the way things are trending, it's hard to see things not go in that direction towards the NFL, AFC, NFC format.
0: Yeah, I think that was going to be my answer was I think we're going to eventually see some kind of conference playoffs put into the model, whether that's the four conference, you know, the four power five conferences, which we need we got to find out a new name. It's not power five anymore, but yeah, <laughs> but whether it's those four like combining together for having some kind of playoffs in each and then the champion makes the four or something like that i don't know but i feel like it's probably leading somewhere in that direction uh to try and accommodate with the conferences but but i agree with you guys i, d- I don't want to see something like that i want to see college football the way it was the way it was meant to be to be done so
2: what uh, about bowl games you know yeah. and that's it, that's it <laughs> what too. happens yeah. to the bowl games when the playoff comes it's you know they, they feel like they even matter less after that you know yeah, but bowl the bowl
1: games aren't going to, yeah. the bowl games We're aren't not going, going away. away. You want to know why? Because of TV, because they bring yeah. viewer, they, uh, uh, you know, Louisiana tech versus Georgia tech bowl game gets more viewers than almost any major league baseball game. People gamble on them. They're not going. So that's the one way where TV yeah. and revenue can, can save us. But I don't know, maybe I'm an, I'm an internal optimist. Maybe I'm just naive. I don't know. But like, I do think at some point I like to think the the people that are semi in charge will say we're taking this too far. We've got to hold on to a little bit of what this sport is that so many people fell in love with.
0: Yeah, I think the bowl games, I don't know if there will be as many of them someday, but I definitely think at least the most important bowl games will stay and maybe some more will hang on there. But uh, the, definitely yep. the importance of them is, is just going to probably keep going down, unfortunately, and we'll keep seeing more and more backups
1: playing those games. And, you know, it is what it is. Fine. I've learned to love that. Now you get to see guys that are playing. It's like a extended spring game. I've I've learned to love that. Give me the Bahamas Bowl, baby. I love that stuff. Like, like, you know, like people say, oh, the Bulls, gross, gross. Oh, is eight extra college football games. Is that really ruining your, like, stop. You know, if you don't want to watch that
2: person, Is
1: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Never have gotten that, that argument. (laughs)
0: The <laughs> only thing I I, did- the only thing I'll say about the bowl games being less important that I don't like is I don't like when they, you know, when we're excited about a matchup. Like last year I was super excited about Purdue and LSU playing each other in the bowl game, but then, you know, obviously Purdue had players not play and that significantly impacted them and then you watch the game and it's just 63 to 7 and it's like, well, this wasn't This wasn't actually a game because LSU had all of their starters who were coming back, coming back to play in this game. And then Purdue, who has multiple NFL players on
1: the team, decide not to be there. And uh, to me, it was just I was I was super excited to have LSU negative twenty seven and a half. That's why I was excited for that game right there. That was easy money.
2: (laughs) So my issue with that is the Rose Bowl used to be the pinnacle. Nobody ever thought about sitting out the Rose Bowl. And then all of a sudden, when Ohio State didn't make the playoffs, they had a a bunch of people sit. And it was just like, there were programs that would have killed to be at the Rose Bowl. And, you know, a program like Ohio State has people sitting for the game. It, granted, it was an incredible game, but right. it was still right. like just that something about that. I like that you just lost the tradition of uh, and all that history of like, getting to the rose bowl was that was the big 10 accomplishment if you weren't in the bcs title game right
0: and utah they had players sitting too uh yep. in that game so i mean yep. heck they had a running back playing cornerback for that game so um uh, yeah just wild 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 all right let's go ahead we'll move on before we do that please I want to do mention please do like and subscribe to the video we appreciate it if you're listening on podcast please rate us on podcast you can find us on youtube apple podcast spotify podcast and we are also on rumble I always want to make sure we shout out our rumble friends because they tell me that they want shout outs so rumble friends we are shouting you out making sure that people know that we are there as well all right our final topic that we're going to talk about is Michigan's Coaching staff in jeopardy. All right. So call me a conspiracy theorist, but I'm putting two and two together here. Okay. There was a, an article written recently today about Jim being, uh, Jim Harbaugh being contacted by the Chargers. Now, this has been a rumor that's been around for a little while, right? Jim Harbaugh has been contacted by the Chargers. This was first reported by Matt Marchis, I think is how you say his name, of Sportsnet 9.9. 590 the fan Uh, Harbaugh he interviewed for Minnesota in 2021 he was a candidate for several jobs in 2022 Uh, but Jim Harbaugh he apparently also had a conversation I didn't listen to it I just read about it but he also had a conversation with Inside Michigan football radio show about their tight ends coach Grant Newsome now if you don't know who the tight ends coach at Michigan is I don't blame you okay you have to be a pretty big college football fan to know who that is but he's a 26 year old coach He is one of the youngest position coaches out there. And Jim Harbaugh basically just this entire interview talked about his plans for Grant Newsome here in the next few years to to rise in their coaching staff and talked about him even being a head coach someday. Well then he got into talking about, well, yeah, he's he I want him to be my O-line coach someday. I want him to be the O-line coach here at Michigan someday. And it's like, well, Jim, you already have an offensive line coach. (laughs) What's happening to him? And he just kind of dodge the question didn't really want to answer it but you know to me there's either one or two things happening here either Sharon Moore is most likely going to take a job at the end of the year which it seems to be the most likely scenario to me uh, he's earned it he's a fantastic coach and Michigan fans I'm not trying to dog you when I say this this is what happens when you are a top tier program and you make it to the playoffs time and time again People come calling for your coaches because you have good coaches. So consider it a blessing that you know you're this good. But I guess my question to you guys here with all of this and everything, and Jeffrey, we'll start with you. Michigan, they have this all star coaching staff. Will the Wolverines be looking to replace Jim Harbaugh or replace a coordinator like Sharon Moore
1: next year? So here's my Harbaugh. Good sky. Great tight ends, coach. Look at him. Doing a great job. It's going to be a head coach someday. Hey, look at you. You drink whole milk. Skim. No, we can't have skim whole milk. Hey, anyways, guys, I I mean, dude, don't take any. said. like, don't, don't take, don't put any weight into it. He might start. I mean, he, he was talking about the things that he was doing. He, what he, he, he run the chain game at, at a local high school game during, during one of Michigan's games. Like I'm not a Harbaugh hater. Okay. Like, Michigan State fans, I, I get it. Ohio State fans, certainly I get it. I I see Harbaugh as as a cartoon character that happens to have a headset on and coaching for Michigan. I get a kick out of the guy. Okay, honestly, I do. So all of those rumors and things that you put on, he's entertaining himself along with anybody that's listening to him. I put no weight in that he could be coaching for the Chargers next year. He could move his family to Switzerland. I have no idea it's all on the table or he could coach at Michigan for 10 more years. Right. I I don't know. It's fun stuff to talk about, but I put no weight into any of it.
0: Anthony, you have any thoughts?
2: So I, I agree with you to an extent on what you said that like in any program who's having, you know, a large amount of success, coaching attrition is going to happen. That's just a sign of a successful program. And, usually you've got a good replacement waiting in the wings. So when, you know, Michigan made the playoffs, the you know, first time around they had um, Mike McDonald left right after that went to the Ravens and they replaced him with Jesse Minter. Wouldn't surprise me if Jesse winds up, he's, he's put out some really, he's, his defense looks awesome this year, you know, is, could he get poached somewhere? Maybe, but you know, is it going to be tough because of things that Harbaugh is saying I'm with, I'm a Jeffrey and this one. is just, he, he, He's a caricature of himself, right? He, for a while, (laughs) he was so animated and then he, and then he kind of dialed it back a little bit after the COVID season, when he was him, when his head was on the chopping block. But now that he's back up and they're the big dog again, he knows that he can swing those kinds of words around and just have fun with it. Now, does Harbaugh go? looking at some of the stuff that happened this off season with the NCAA, all of the, you know, suspension, it wouldn't surprise me if Harbaugh is just fed up with the college product. Like a lot of your top tier coaches are, you know, Dabo Swinney and Kirby smart. They've talked about how much they don't like the current college game. So if, if I could see Harbaugh leaving for that reason, do I think he will, you know, who's to say that's, that Harbaugh's name gets thrown in the NFL ring. It's a running joke at this point. Every, every, every off season, of course, Harbaugh's going to interview for an NFL job. It's just, it's, it's a foregone conclusion at this point. Yeah. Whether or not he makes the leap, we'll, we'll see.
0: Yeah, and I think that's the biggest part is I think that it's easy to tell that Harbaugh does have NFL aspirations, whether those are right now or whether those are down the line. You don't just go interview for these jobs just for fun, right? These aren't recruiting visits where you're going and they're giving your family a four-course meal and, you know, you're just having a good time like like the recruits like to do. Uh, you know, he he obviously has some kind of intentions here, but but I'm with you, Jeffrey. I don't know if those intentions are for next year or if those are for 10 years from now or what his whole thought process Processes there. I will say the one thing about this that makes me think more than anything that he might leave soon is his relationship with Ward Manuel. I mean, and I think I've heard this from Michigan fans more than anybody else is that that relationship is toxic. It's not good. They don't really care for each other. And at a certain point, like, yeah, you might not like the game. Yeah. You might not like NIL or whatever else you might not like those things, but man, I could say from experience, if you're in a job where you really dislike your boss (laughs) you know it's it's hard to stick around that job more often than not
1: so um i don't think i don't think harbaugh views him as his boss (laughs) i'll just just say that right there (laughs) the only boss harbaugh has is harbaugh yeah and that could be part of the
0: tension because ward manual might say well i am your boss and yeah so but uh but
2: when i look look at ward manual i I think of the two bobs in office space like what exactly what it (laughs) is would it would you say it is that exactly. you do here? <laughs> exactly right.
0: <laughs> well, you know, uh, Jim Harbaugh just got YouTube TV, so maybe he will you know, watch <laughs> some more shows. And That was uh, so funny.
2: It. Oh, that
0: was good. That and the wee fence and the lawn mowing stuff, I... I know I'm supposed to hate him awesome. because I'm an Ohio State fan. I know that I'm supposed to really dislike him, but every time I think to myself I can't stand this guy, he says one of those comments, and I'm like, I I, I can't dislike you. You're you're <laughs> you're, you're a lovable little dork or whatever I guess you want to call. Him. I'm not trying to insult him by calling him a dork, but uh, you know, just kind of the way he is. So so, but I like mowing my grass too. So, eccentric.
1: Yeah. He's eccentric. <laughs> I think that would be the word. to use. That's
0: a good way to put it. One All of right, one. I'll, our last question, Anthony, will go to you. Uh, what other coaches or coordinators or position coaches could you see exploring options with the NFL? We, we mentioned Jesse Minter. Is that kind of your one that you think, you know, he he is probably going to at some point maybe look into the NFL a little bit more?
2: Well, there is one coach who has quite a bit of uh, time in the NFL who I believe is looking for some work right now who maybe could make the jump back to the NFL Used to coach for a green and white team. Um <laughs> I do not think Mel ends up back in the NFL, but just he did spend a, quite a bit there. The way, By the that way, I, by the way that?
1: Congrats, congratulations everybody so far in the Zoom call, keeping everything in their pants. You know, it's it's apparently hard to do these days. It's apparently hard to do.
2: <laughs> oh boy. I'm not <laughs> touching that one.
0: Everybody put your hands up. <laughs> Check.
2: So uh, we're good. Keep going. But, but to go back to but to go back to your question, you know, who do I see as the um, coaches or you know other head coaches or position coaches who could you know dip their toe in the NFL water? Uh, to me, it I feel like the trendiest coaches to go to the NFL are kind of the younger, offensive-minded ones. So I could see someone like Lincoln Riley from USC making the leap up to the NFL. Now he's really young. But, you know, you look at a guy like um, Cliff Kingsbury, he made the jump and, you know, he's I don't, I don't know how great you'd say the Cardinals are doing, but I mean, he's, you know, put some excitement into the offense, at least. Um, and you hear a lot of your other usual suspect names, Chris Kleiman, uh, Luke Fickle, you could see him looking at it. I think Lincoln Riley's your most likely candidate to hop up to the NFL. Um, The other one who I think might be interesting, maybe not immediately, but maybe down the road would be Kalen DeBoer from Washington, just how offensive minded he is and how quickly he turned around that Washington team coming from a place like Indiana. I would say he doesn't have a ton of elite head coaching experience, but if he, you know, if someone came and offered him an offensive coordinator spot on a, you know, on a, on an NFL, you know, coaching squad, or maybe even a head coaching spot it's it's a name I'm not hearing a lot, but it's one I could see more frequently mentioned in the years to come. If Washington keeps up their offensive renaissance that they've had these last two, three years.
0: Well, Jeffrey, we know all about your offensive renaissance over at Iowa and your young uh, <laughs> offensive coaches there. Uh, <laughs> but just in general, are there any out there in the big 10 or are you just any more out there that
1: you, you want to add to that list? I mean, I think Shardy hit the ones that you would hit, but honestly, here's my take. Uh, all of Most of those hires of the offensive gurus from college that went to the NFL have gone over like a pregnant pole vaulter, okay? <laughs> it, it, it didn't work. I don't think you're going to see too much more of that. I think that was the NFL kind of doing that a little bit. I think you're going to see less and less of that a lot of the offensive minds in the NFL are younger guys that came up in the NFL. I think you're going to see way more of that. They're stealing stuff from college because that's where a lot more of the innovation happens, but to bring in these head coaches to be the face of the organization, I think you'll see less and less of that. Um, um, And which I just think you'll see more more. There's always going to be position coaches and stuff that, move around don't get me wrong but the big name splashy hires I mean if I'm Kalen DeBoer you have got a lifetime lifetime check now in college right now even if he went to the next spot and it maybe wasn't as successful as he's been in his last two spots he's still going to get another job I would just say in college if I was that guy yeah
0: Yeah. and I think the whole I the whole you know colleges can pay so much more money now than what they used to makes a huge difference with that as well especially when you're in the Big Ten or the SEC you know those schools they make so much more money to be able to pay their guys and that's what I've been trying to tell people about Michigan State is like yes I understand Michigan State is not the most attractive job out there but they have gone to the playoffs they are capable of winning the Big Ten if you build it the right way and also like they got a lot of money. Like, so brand new totally... football,
2: faci- you know, football building yeah. facilities yep. and the, 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 the money and the fan base is there to back you. So it's, right. you know, there's been some debate about whether or not they're, you know, where they stand like all time as a college program. But I would think most people would put them in the, you know, 25 ish top 25 ish range as like overall programs go. And so it's. Even if you're walking into a little bit of a tough environment, given the last coach, it's still a good job to walk into.
0: Right, if I could about Northwestern too. Go ahead, Jeffrey.
2: Well, if
1: I could add on, I mean, as far as where Michigan State's at in the landscape, I, I totally agree. I mean, they're in the Big Ten, decent recruiting ground, really nice tradition. The Michigan State administration has got to quit being the Michigan state administrator, that is the biggest negative is that you, that, and I'm sorry, you know, Shardy, but you're going to be considered the second best team in the state for a lot. Like those are the two negative things, but there's a ton of good stuff that, that, that Michigan state football brings to the table.
0: Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing is like, yes, right now you're going to be considered the second tier team and or second team, not second tier, but second team in the state. But, I mean, Mark D'Antonio, I mean, he showed that within a few years, you could really, if Michigan's on the downtrend or anything like that, and you really hit it at the right time, you really can become that destination school in the state and really make uh, make the recruits, not only in the state, but those around you as well, uh, really think twice about, hey, do we want to go to Michigan State because they're doing really good stuff up there? So Michigan is not invincible, and they've shown that, especially Like we talked about, if Jim Harbaugh decides to go somewhere else, it's really, really hard to hire the right coach for your university. So, all right, guys, that's all I got. You guys got anything else that you want to mention before we get out of here?
2: Bet the under Um, on Saturday night. Yeah,
1: (laughs) probably. You could find a lot of unders in that game to bet, (laughs) to to be honest with you. I'll just just give a shout out again. Eyes Eyes on big podcast where i'll 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 tweet out the link actually later tonight as we record this on wednesday evening um um, follow me on twitter you'd always be able to get to that but uh um, apple pods uh stitcher i can't even name them anymore but anywhere you can find a podcast we're we're on that so so give us a follow and if i forget to tell you jr thanks for having me on the podcast
0: for sure. For sure. Hey, both of you guys did great. Appreciate you being here uh, and appreciate you giving your time to talk a little bit of Big Ten college football. That's all I got for us today. So we're going to move on from here to next week. I'm going to get you some big news before we head out of here. We got some big news starting next week. We are going to have two football shows a week. We're going to have Sunday. We're going to have Thursday and we're going to start our basketball shows next week. So our Wednesday show next week That will be our basketball show. We'll be previewing the college basketball season as well as talking about college football as well. So if you're a college basketball fan as well, this is your one-stop shop for everything you need news-wise. All right, Thanks so much for being here, guys. Thanks so much for guesting. And the rest of you, thanks so much for listening. Have a great day.